Lord, your word, the
Praise God. <clears throat> it was indeed a blessed day when the Lord Jesus touched our eyes and opened our understanding. Spiritual vision uh, takes a continuous process. It starts and you could see today and not see tomorrow. And that is sad. You can taste of the good word of God today and you miss out tomorrow. I'm stalling this worship service. I would like Nadine to sing a special later on. Um, but I want to, I want us to pray tonight and there's a particular need that we have and that is brother, brother Eugene from New Jersey. Uh, he is really not doing well. I remember uh, some years ago, before COVID started, we were in Rhode Island and we were there for a one-day service. And Brother Eugene attended that meeting. Um, he's Haitian in his background and some of the other brothers were there, Brother Moses, Brother Antoine, and, and a few other brothers. And so we were in Rhode Island and before the service started, Brother Eugene came up for prayer and we prayed for him. And when we were finished praying for him before the worship service started, uh, we sent him down to the lower section of the building. It was a rented facility. And he went down to the basement and we start the service. We started to sing. And while we were singing, um, maybe about the second or third song, I decided to slip down from where I was seated and go down and visit Brother Eugene in the basement, lower section actually of the building. I went down and saw him and I asked him, I said, Brother Eugene, how are you feeling? He says, I'm feeling as sick as I was before the brothers prayed for me. I really did not have any relief. So I said, why don't you come back with me upstairs? Because, you know, after a chorus or two, people sort of get their minds more focused. And so he came back upstairs in that church and we prayed for him again. And I sent him back downstairs. Then it was necessary that he goes back downstairs because of his condition. And then I went again um, a second time. While the worship was going on and things were happening, I went down again to Brother Eugene. I said, Brother Eugene, how are you feeling? Because his condition was very, very serious. And he said, Brother Singh, I'm really not well. And I looked at his face. And unlike most pastors, my mouth goes before my brains, as someone says. So I looked at Brother Eugene and I said, Brother Eugene, I'll be honest with you. We do not have the power of God. I said, and because we do not have the power of God and we prayed for you twice and you did not recover, this sister that came down with me, she works at a hospital, not far from where the church was. I said, she'll take you to the hospital 
and you'll get treated. And so she did that. Brother Eugene went. And I don't know immediately what happened. I knew she, he went to the hospital. And then meeting was over. We all went back home. And when I was back home, about a week after I was back home, I got a phone call from Brother Eugene. And he said, Brother Singh, I remember what you told me that day. I said, what did I tell you that day? He says, you told me we do not have the power of God and that you sent me to the hospital with this sister. And I said, yes, I did. He says, that saved my life that day. Because his condition is one of those conditions that can take your life. And so he was buying time and I received a message today that he has had a surgery done and he's in a lot of pains. We're hoping that his surgery brings recovery to him, physical recovery, and that he can conquer that sickness. But the kind of surgery he did, it will cause a lot of pain and he would have to be on morphine or other painkillers. And so tonight, we want to pray for Brother Eugene. As a congregation, we want to get together here, and those following me online, we want to pray that God will touch uh, this dear brother. He's a fine man. I would not say a man is a fine man if I don't think he is. Of course, I think almost everybody's are fine people. Whether you're in the church or out of the church, I might see you as a person that's a wonderful individual. And so we want to pray tonight for Brother Eugene before I ask Nadine to sing a special. Let's all pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I realize we do not have the power of God. And this prayer tonight is asking you, Lord, beyond our human effort. We know there's no distance in prayer and that even tonight, Wherever Brother Eugene is, in the hospital or at home, we pray, O oh God, that you would have mercy on him. And we have seen you touch individuals. We have seen you heal individuals. We have seen you bring people out of sicknesses and give them recovery, Father. Many of us can testify to your power and your grace, Lord, that is working with us. We know tonight we do not deserve your grace. And that is why we call it grace. It's your unmerited favor, Father. And so please, tonight we bring Brother Eugene before you, wherever he is. We ask that, Father, you'll please reach out your hand. Spare his life, Lord. Touch him and let your healing virtues flow through his body tonight, Father. Oh, God, we ask in Jesus' name that you would help him in a recovery process. And whatever you're teaching him, Father, may his heart understand as much as his body learns. God, help him. Heal him, Father. And if it is not your will to heal him, Father, but to strengthen his faith, we ask that you'll do that, please. Strengthen his faith. That he would not lose confidence in you, Lord, but he would hold on to the promises that you have made. And tonight, Lord, everyone 
following us online that's not well in their bodies. Tonight we pray that you'll touch them also. Heal your people, Father. Please heal your people mentally, spiritually, and physically, Father. God, we, have thank we thank you for so many times your hand has reached down and touched us where doctors have given up on our situation. Thank you, Father, for helping each one of us. Thank you for touching your people, Father. Teach us valuable lessons that even when we are going through a sickness, Father, we can learn from our sicknesses. Please, oh God, we ask. In Jesus' name, bless this service, we ask. And give us a great night in your house. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
one of the most recent services that I touched on a scripture in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And this chapter is called, nicknamed, the Hebrew Hall of Faith. And this chapter lists a lot of individuals, and we have gone over this chapter so many times. But as we come towards the end of this chapter, he tells us here about those that really suffered. The entire chapter, he named individuals. Um, he named um, Abraham. As a matter of fact, we can go further on. Verse 4, he named Abel. And verse 5, he named Enoch. Verse 7, he named Noah. Verse 8, 
he named Abraham. And then he comes down all the way down to verse 20. Isaac and Jacob. Then he deals with Joseph and Moses. And we've made beautiful lessons out of these records. Uh, one of my champions is Moses in this particular area. It is amazing that Moses was recognized as a great man because it says here in verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was, um, when he was come to years, he did a few things. One, he refused an opportunity that many of us, many of us today would not ignore. If today someone in high authority wants to make an ordinary individual a member of some royal family, everyone would see that as an opportunity. A raise under job is an opportunity. And a lot of doors are open up that God does not really is not really responsible for opening the doors, every door that's open up. Sometimes the door is open up that the devil opens up. And I think I would be correct in saying that the devil opens up more doors than God does. And God allows doors to be closed in the face of his elect. Every city that Paul went into, almost every city rejected the Apostle Paul. The prophets God sent in the Old Testament, they were all rejected. Doors were closed, and the greatest door of all time that was closed was when Jesus came onto his own. And his own, the Jews, rejected him. And one of these days, I'll spend some time talking about my concept of what we should classify as the Jewish nation. I say my concept because there are things that I believe in that is not written. It's not contradictory to scripture, but it's not written. Right now I'm reading Paul's gospel to you. But there was a time when Paul's gospel was not written. There was nothing written. And when he spoke, individuals wrote that down, and they were not busy writing what Isaiah said. They were busy isolating terminologies and statements made by the Apostle Paul. They did not tamper with his sayings, but they were just accepting that. And so Moses, first of all, he refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Well, he was brought up in the house of Pharaoh, but there came a point in time after he was educated and trained in the Egyptian lifestyle and educated by Egyptian scholars. He thought when God opened up the concept that he had, his family were really the slaves in Egypt. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I respect the man. Some of us are very gullible. Every door that opens up that looks like an opportunity, we walk through. 
I respect this man because the door was already open up and he decided to abandon it. For the sake of God's work. And it is important that ministers, men of God, uh, children of God, know what the will of God is for their lives. And this is important. Remember the word will of God. And then he refused, and then verse 25, he made a choice. And we have all had choices in life. And I told someone that my kind of life that God has taken me through, if there are two roads ahead of me, one is paved, neatly paved, and beautiful, beautifully set up, and the other road is a rough, dangerous place. From experience, I'd like to say, I know which one the Lord will choose for me. He leave the paved and nice, comfortable highway to individuals that want to be pampered, and he will choose the rough road for me. So a lot of times when I have a choice and I see two roads, I take the rough one. It's a part of my nature to understand that. Does that make me better than everyone else? No, it just makes me a simple disciple that wants God to change my life. And he says, choosing rather. What are you choosing, Moses? What is meant to enlighten individuals in the world today has become idols. When I can hang the certificates on the wall and feel proud that I've accomplished something while I'm dying in my discipleship, dying to discipleship. And I wrote an article some time ago that's titled Discipleship, a Dying Concept. Dying in the sense that it's not a concept individual wants to promote. So it's dying in its popularity. But the concept itself tells you how to die to self and become submissive to the plan of God. Moses made a choice. Let's find out his choice. The more expensive machine, what is he choosing? Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the children of God, with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The man made choice to suffer with God's people than to live high in the house of the pharaohs. What a man refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to have an easygoing life. A lot of times we have choices that we have to make on a daily basis. You had a choice. If you're listening to me and you're in Mississauga, you had a choice to come to church tonight or not. If you're within the vicinity of the church, you had a choice. You had a choice to come to church. You had a choice to serve God or to please someone that's not even a part of the church. You have choices. And your choices that we make on a daily basis would affect our lifestyle. 
If I choose to eat junk, it will clog my arteries. If I choose to sleep out half my life, it will not give me a future. My dad used to say, the heights of great men reached and kept were not attained by sudden flight, but they, while their companions slept, toil onward in the night. Great men do not become great because someone bestowed greatness upon them. They become great because they have labored to reach the goal that they had in mind. What we feed on spiritually would affect our lives spiritually. And it's sad that if you come to church and you expect one hour in service to change your whole lifestyle when you destroyed more than an hour, you spend more than an hour allowing your mind to feed on junk. That is why today when we think about the Bride of Christ and 144,000 overcomers, these that follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth, in their mouth is found no guile because they are faultless before the throne of God. I don't find anyone that I can say that's one. So when we pamper ourselves in believing that as soon as every one of us that are in the church when we die we'll be in the first resurrection. Knock yourself out. You are deceiving yourself. You don't need someone out of the street to come and deceive you. You have deceived yourself. Is your mouth without guile? Do you follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth? Or the lamb has to try to fit into your program? Are you without fault? And I find that so many of us still have flaws in our lives that God must help us with. And that is why I thank God for the final resurrection or the aspect of it that's called a general harvest where a lot of individuals that failed in this life would come up and be saved. And it's still the grace of God that allows that. If God was to judge us based on our spiritual performance, we'd all be dead. And then Moses went on here, he choosing to suffer, what a man. And then he esteemed, refused, made choice, and then he esteemed, what did Moses esteem as high in his life? He esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Why Moses, why you have sacrificed all of this because he had a recompense for the reward that was set before him. The sacrifices Moses made was because he had a goal in mind that he wants to accomplish. And that is something we need to talk about because we are all thinking about a goal ahead. The greatest goal one can choose to pursue is to be in the resurrection of the dead. May God help us that we can be qualified to come forth in the resurrection. And then when we finish talking about Moses, let's go down to the end of that chapter. And it says, some, 
Uh, verse 36, others had cruel mockings and scourgings. See, we're looking at individuals who served God 2,000 years ago and suffered in their effort to serve God. When the place is cold, we get a fever so that we don't have to come to church. We're a bunch of sad people living in today's world. We find excuses for not being faithful. But here are examples, and when you look at these examples, when Paul continued about continue writing about this, he said here in chapter 12, he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness. What is the cloud of witness that Paul is talking about? These people that I'm reading in chapter 11, verse 36. And the rest of the chapter. But in verse 36 he says others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned for the gospel. They were sawn asunder. Isaiah was, he was sawn asunder. It says here. They were tempted, they were slain with the sword. We're living such a pampered life. We're living in such a pampered society. How can we resurrect and sit alongside these individuals that suffered for Christ? My brother saying, the song says that I will. Oh Lord, I want to be in the first resurrection. Well, you can sing until you get laryngitis. If you don't live right, you ain't being in no first resurrection. You have to qualify to be in that resurrection. But this body is frail. And Paul went on here. He says they were, they dwelt, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. And I have a mindset that I work with that God has processed over the years. I have a mindset that God has processed over the years. I like to be tidy, but not fashionable. I like to be clean, but not perverted by the mindset of society. I like to find pleasure in serving God, even though I have pleasure in doing a lot of other things that's some not necessarily evil, but I like to have pleasure in serving God. And when I'm looking at these individuals, he says they wandered about in sheepskins, not tuxedos. You see, there is a difference with rags and sackcloth. When, when God works on individuals and processes their life to a process of discipleship, Revelation 14 says they're clothed with sackcloth. There's a humility. There's a brokenness. Someone says, well, I go to church and I listen to the message and I I preach the gospel and do whatever. Well, I'm preaching my gospel tonight. 
And if it's not pleasing to God, well, I do have a problem, don't I? Because I could pamper myself like Israel did for years and religion has done for years and missed, missed out on serving God correctly. And Paul went on here. He says, destitute, verse 37, the last part, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. That's physically persecuted. Of whom this present world that Paul was talking about, nor this world that we're living in, was not worthy. He says, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. We must have pampered lifestyle today. We, we are proud about our home. What we accomplish economically. When we think of our retirement and we think of a bank account, we feel accomplished. Well, you can have the biggest bank account and the biggest house. And if your soul is lost, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? May God help us. And Paul went on here, he says, verse 39, And these all, whether they were stoned or sawn or persecuted or dressed in rags, these all, in the sight of God, obtained a good report. When your child comes home from school and its exam is over and you see that seal envelope the teacher gives your child to bring home, what does a parent want to see in that report card? A good report. And when you open that up, if you're seeing sheer majorly Fs, and D's, if there is a D. E, F, D. You're a sad parent. Because it's not a good report. But when you read a simple comment that this child did good, you feel accomplished. Well, when God looked down at these individuals that suffered 2,000 years ago, they all had a good report. A good report. And today I'm talking to you and it says uh, they had a good report not though through faith. They had a good report through faith and they did not receive the ultimate promise. The ultimate promise is the resurrection and entrance into the kingdom of God. But they all died not having received. A good, uh, the, not having received the promises. These all died in faith. Verse 13 tells us these all died in faith. Hoping to get the promises when the resurrection comes around. As a young man I grew up. And I appreciate my grandfather. I had two grandparents. One was my mom's dad and one was my father's dad it was a pleasure to sit with my grandparents and hear them talk 
But grandfather and dad, pa and dad are not there anymore. They're gone. And I think of my dad, think of my dad gone. Think about growing up in church and my first pastor, really an amazing man of God, Brother Harry Das, gone. I think of friends that I saw growing up in the church, gone. I think of wonderful men of God that I found when I came to America in 1975. Brother Lloyd Goodwin, great man of God. Someone says, well, he had a lot of flaws. So do I. If I were to read a Bible that had men without flaws, I'd only read about Abel. Or maybe Nathaniel, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. But they said guile, I don't know about the other things. But this Bible, whether it's David or Abraham or Moses, they all had flaws. And when I look at their life, they're gone. Brother Goodwin, gone. Brother Voorhees, gone. Brother Jack Archer, gone. They're gone, not having received the promises. And you and I sit here tonight, and whether it's Brother Ormelius that's gone, or some other one of our brothers that's about to go, or some that's gone already, we're frail. One of these days, somebody might sit in this chair and preach. Brother Singh, gone. Sister Chandri, gone. Life is frail. Life is short. And that is why when you go out, live like it's not going to come, like there is no tomorrow. Love your family, love your friends, love people around you, because life is short. And Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, Paul had a desire, and tonight when I'm thinking, while Nadine was singing that special, I turned over and looked at the churches of, Gal of Asia, I looked at the churches of Galatia. I looked at the churches in Mesopotamia. Macedonia, sorry. I look at Cyprus. I look at all these little areas there. And there's a wonderful day. It was a wonderful day when Paul went into Galatia. It was a wonderful day when the churches, he started in Asia Minor. And then by the time John, John was writing the letter to the seven churches which were left in Asia Minor, there was only seven churches and God had flaws he found in five of those and only two were commended. It is important that we live our gospel. And this Bible is given to us for reflection on a few things. Because this body that you have is frail. A lot of times the lesson is meant for you. Not the person you think is going through the problem. 
I look at Sister Doherty sitting in front of me. Her flaws, her problems, her difficulties is meant for my growth. She's got to come to God, but I, how I respond to her, it is she is given there for my growth. That's why you can't live on an island and serve God. I must be able to learn to love the people that don't really need to be loved. But I love them anyways. Yes. I look at Brother John. I might try to find flaws with Brother John. But he was given for my perfection. And my flaws was given for your perfection also. Brother Goodwin preached a lesson one time. Failure of delegated authority is given to test your obedience. Someone quoted a scripture just last week to me that when the spirit of a ruler rise up against you, don't leave your place. Zip it. Your principles in this Bible are like. And so when I'm looking at Corinthians, I only have five minutes left, maybe ten. But I look at it, Corinthians, and Paul is writing 2 Corinthians. He tried his best with 1 Corinthians, but it did not seem to succeed much. And then he comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, not by man's choice. Not because the organization made him an apostle. He was an apostle by the will of God. I hope that I'm a pastor by the will of God. I hope I serve God to fulfill his will. And he says, he says, And Timothy, our brother unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. He says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Isn't that beautiful? Our Father is a Father of mercies and a God of all comfort. See, when we're sitting here, one day you would need to be comforted. Today, Comfort the ones that need comfort. Pray for those that are broken hearted. Find the widows that need their hands lifted up and help them. Go to the grocery store and buy something and give it to someone that's in need. Because our God is a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. But he is the God of all comfort. And as Paul is writing this here, and there's so much, he says, Who comfort us, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. No matter what you're going through, I look at Sister Chandri. Ever so often she goes through a period of suffering, discomfort, and going through pains and agony. And I'll get up and I'll cry for her. I really would. I'm not a tough guy. I only get tough behind the pulpit sometimes. But I'm a chicken when it comes to reality. I get up in the morning at 2.30 in the morning and I cry for her. I use more tissues than any person I know 
that use the tissue box. And this morning, with all her aches and pains, I'm sitting now looking at her, and as she, she goes into the kitchen and she's got things she is doing quickly. And that's before you came to the house. And I see her taking a plate down with a sandwich of some sort. And I know where she was going. Was she coming to you or Timothy? She was going to Timothy, her grandson. And you know, it brought tears to my eyes to know that in spite of her discomfort, she can go down to comfort her grandson. And a lot of times individuals don't know what a pastor goes through and the tragedy and the difficulties he goes through just to bear you up before God. Bear your needs up. I was telling Sister Dorothy today, I called names to her. I said, you know, in my quiet time today, here are the names I call, names that you would not even remember existed, I call them. I pray for the people in church, I pray for people out of church. And what am I doing, changing the world? No, changing my attitude by praying for other individuals. When I pray, if I get up and I feel, well, I'm a prayer warrior, now I'm great. I'm a hypocrite. When I pray for the needs around, the needs might never be met, but it changes my attitude. I don't have enemies because I love my enemies. I pray for those that despitefully use me. I pray for people that try to pull the wool over my eyes and think I didn't know. I th pray for individuals to try to undermine my authority and think I don't recognize it. I've been a long time in the ministry. I see the ant when it walks across the floor. I'm not only seeing elephants, I see ants. And Paul goes on here, he says, he says, and comfort them who comforteth, comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them. When God comforts you, he would like you to turn around and comfort someone else. Today, don't wait for the Holy Ghost to be the comforter. If you got God in your life, you can be a comforter to individuals that are going through trials. Amen. And when you are going through a trial, if you have gone through a serious sickness, God did not err in his judgment when he put a sickness on you. He wanted you to change. Have you changed? I might pray for you, and I might change in my attitude to you, but have you changed that has gone through the process? Because fire is intended to cleanse the dross out of our gold. And Paul went on here, he says, I'm reading this again, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. When Jesus said, pray the prayer, forgive me 
This day my trespasses as I forgive those that trespass against me. When we sit down and we complain about people and we quarrel about people, if you did not pray for them, don't complain about them. Pray for them. And when you pray enough, you wouldn't complain about them. You will be pitiful and sorrowful and have empathy for individuals rather than condemning them. When the God of all comfort has comforted us when we're going through our trials, it is to make us come to that place where we are little comforters to the other individuals around us. Don't live in an island all by yourself. Be there for someone else. And he says, when we ourselves, he says, verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. But how can the sufferings of Christ abound in us? Well, Paul says, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. When Christ was, Jesus was hanging on the cross, and the people he created, the people he brought into existence, the world that he formed out of nothing, had him nailed up on the cross. The people he came to save had him nailed up on the cross. What a God of comfort he proved when he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He told, us, he told God in regards to the soldiers, soldiers were just doing what they were supposed to do, crucify another man, another Jew. But this Jew was different because this Jew prayed that God would forgive those soldiers that nailed him up on the cross because they did not know what they were doing. But the Israelites knew what they were doing. The Jews knew what they were doing. The high priest knew what he was doing. The religious element in that time knew what they were doing. But may God save even those that persecuted the church. Aren't we glad that God could do that and he saved Paul? Maybe somebody that lost their loved one because Paul put them in jail and got them killed. Maybe someone prayed for Paul. Oh, God help him. Maybe. And Paul got converted. We need to love each other. We need to pray for each other. He says, for the suffering of Christ abound in us. When the sufferings of Christ, when we learn to suffer with Christ, suffering is a good thing if we suffer for the right purpose. When the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounded by Christ. When I turn around and see my brother suffering and my sister suffering, I will have empathy and feel sorry for them. You understand what I'm saying? When the sufferings of Christ abound in me. The reason why we don't have sympathy and empathy and concern for each other is because the suffering of Christ has never registered in our lives. We have taken God for granted. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation. Paul says, when I'm suffering, 
You see, I'm suffering. Oh, Paul, you suffering man. Why are you suffering, Paul? You're suffering for your sin. No, I'm suffering to learn a lesson that I might turn around and offer consolation to those that are suffering. And Paul said here, he says, for whether we be afflicted, why is it I'm afflicted? It is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering. Eventually, you would have to suffering, suffer. And so I'm closing this lesson off here tonight. Suffering has a purpose. Praying for individuals have a purpose. May God help us to come to that place where we can understand that the God of all comfort has comforted us. The God of all mercy has shown us mercy. The God of all, all goodness and consolation has shown that to us and given us the spirit of his son Jesus that we can turn around and reflect that to other individuals. What a God we have. What a purpose that our God has. And so tonight, thanks for listening to me. May God direct this lesson to our hearts and not only our heads. Let us pray. Father, we're fallen, depraved human beings that you're saving. And Lord, it is our carnal nature that wants us to fight back and to criticize and to condemn and not to give any, anyone a fighting chance that when they come against us. But Lord, help us to comprehend in our hearts the fact that you forgive us. And when we deserve to die, you sent your son to die in our stead. When we should have been judged, oh Lord, you forgive us. You save us from death. Help us, oh Father, to have the sufferings of Christ initiated in our lives that we can turn around and offer consolation to those around us. Father, we pray. Let this message change our lives, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name and for his glory. Amen and amen.